All right, so look, we, we, we surveyed the Magic 8-Ball. We requested information from hundreds of you, thousands of you, on who you want to see on the pods. We began doing guests, and there were the overwhelming response was former President Barack Obama, but since that could not work out with his schedule and our schedules too tight, yeah, I've got travel, James has got travel, Colin's got the family. Uh, we did get to number two, the uh, the second most requested out here. Dickie Bush, welcome to the pod. How you doing, brother? Hey. What's going on, fellas? Pumped to be here. A lot to jam on. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to have you. All right, and then this is uh, and so this week we're we're digging into your specialty, which is building on LinkedIn. So um, I know you can't know, no, 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 it's just a thread this morning, but you know we can uh, we'll, we'll dive in deep, see what you like with the corporate social network, and see where it goes from there. Yeah, uh, we, on a, we will. Uh... <laughs> on a serious note, the real reason Dickie's here is I want James to have the best shot possible at at having more Twitter followers than me, and he has absolutely no chance. So. So we we brought Dickie here just to give James Twitter game. That's all. Just I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking the Stussy Magic Eight Ball. Yo, you have a will, Magic. Will, will Colin surpass James in in Twitter followers? Let and me tell says, you what's crazy. You can't know the future. You can't know the future. <laughs> but let me tell you what's interesting about me and Twitter. And I know Colin and Dickie are similar in this regard. I, I believe this is the first time I've ever really spoken to Dickie, like other than a DM. But you guys both have the ability to like structure things. No, I'm just like a, like a word vomit, right? Like when I write threads, like my best threads have been written from my phone, like randomly. And I know Dickie, I know you have some like processes and structure and ways that you create content and everyone who really crushes on Twitter. And I know Colin when he wants to, when he's got the, the moments to breathe can, can like, he's a great copywriter, like, and, and can create that structure for me. I'm just like vomiting out B level work regularly <laughs> and like, and some of those B's hit and a lot of them are D's. Right. So if I could figure out Dickie, if you can teach me the structure game, I'm going to eat Colin alive forever. Good in luck. Terms of content on Twitter. Good luck. Well, I'll, I'll drop the first piece of alpha, which I'll, I'll use y'all's terminology, but if you hit, Ooh, uh, if you hit option eight <laughs> on your, on your keyboard, you can make a bullet point. And if you start using bullet points instead of dashes uh, on Twitter, you immediately look like, you know what you're doing. And that Ooh. I think is like ninety percent of the reason that I've been able to grow. Is that, yeah, ninety percent uh, is option eight. Option, option eight. We're gonna lead off the pod with that. You know, just it, all all you need to know. You know, to, to go from tactics zero to only. One. Tactics only here. Yo, yo, <laughs> getting two keyboard shortcuts in the first three minutes is is a hell of a start. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Any other top keyboard shortcuts? Anyone else want to share? You know, like, uh, <laughs> no. we got the, Apple the, the C, Apple Command V. Four. Let me tell you right now. I have I have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal work. With three little, with three little shortcuts, Apple Can F, B, Apple C, Apple V. You know what I'm saying, dog? <laughs> all you gotta do, any legal, ninety percent of all legal docs are just boilerplate. You just be pulling out other people's stuff, putting your own. Bada bing, bada boom. You at least have like a, a working draft to send to legal. I'm not I'm legal like, advice. Not legal advice. Not legal advice. <laughs> not financial advice. Not legal, legal advice. Nothing on this pod is actually advice. To be completely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, you should probably just stop listening now. Uh, <laughs> just it is one of those. Go get yourself some caviar. Yeah. Boom. So, uh, so Dicky, you, I think you were saying twelve weeks ago, you very recently left the full time gig at uh, Blackwater. Just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, tell us tell us about what you were doing before and, and the jump. So I guess I've worked at BlackRock for three and a half years. I back up a little bit, studied math, played football at Princeton, graduated, moved straight into the only job I'd ever had. I interned for them for two summers, jumped right in, loved it. I actually really enjoyed working on Wall Street. I, I worked for a 10-person hedge fund. It was a small group. But I think in the first... The first year I kind of looked around and, and when the the awe of kind of Wall Street or whatever wore off from everything I did in college, it was like, damn, these guys are late 30s, early 40s, kind of getting on a train at 5 a.m. to get to their desk at 7 a.m. to 
listen to a boss and ask for permission to go to their kids little league game and like to me that was not a a route that i was (laughs) knew that i wanted to pursue long term and so in january 2020 i kind of just started to put some feelers out there um writing online just publishing a newsletter at the time i was reading and learning and doing a bunch of stuff and was like how can i find some passive exposure to kind of new opportunities without necessarily because i did really enjoy what i was doing i just knew I didn't want to try to build equity in something that I wasn't going to do for 10, 15, 20 years. So it kind of just started from there and things accelerated into uh, where we are now. So I guess we can talk a little bit about that journey. But yeah, in the last 12 weeks, stepped away from BlackRock um, and building Builders Build all on my own now. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, so quick question. Obviously, Shipper Ship, not Shipper Ship, uh, Ship 30 for 30 is a cohort based. You should uh, consider a rename. Like, yeah, immediately, sure. obviously. <laughs> we'll get okay. there separately. That, that's in our advice section. It comes yeah. in the party. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, cohort based info product that there's like a ton. I mean, I think you have a community manager, so on and so forth. Uh, I was honestly shocked when I found out you had a full time gig just with like, obviously the growth that's happened there, but also just like the level of involvement, right? The, it, it is not a download a PDF kind of uh, info product. And from what I saw when I did it, the uh, uh, it, it's a very active day-to-day project and you do a cohort, cohort every single month. What, Orin, com- what Did you complete the full 30? I, no, bro. I, <laughs> okay. I bombed out. I've got, I've got, <laughs> uh, yeah. I have some uh, un- not constructive feedback uh, around it. Uh, long story short, I missed the intro email. I missed the beginning email, and then all of a sudden, I found myself like three days behind, and it was it was too much to overcome. But. All right, well, I think we may put the cart before the horse. Do you want to actually give people a breakdown of what uh, Ship Thirty for Thirty is, yeah. in case uh, any of our listeners have been living under a rock or uh, spending most of their time on LinkedIn for the last couple years? <laughs> well, we're coming to LinkedIn, but Ship Thirty for Thirty is a cohort-based writing course. Helps people start writing online by actually writing and publishing something every day for thirty days. That's the bulk of it during it my co-founder nicholas cole and i we really teach the fundamentals so headlines formatting coming up with ideas analytics um, cross-platform establishing credibility all that kind of stuff during uh eight live sessions we jam for like 90 minutes uh the very first cohort was a bunch of us in a slack channel back in november of 2020 i spun it up i had like 800 twitter followers at the time and kind of said hey anyone want to write and publish with me every day for 30 days. And the um, response was overwhelming. I threw us on a Slack channel. And before that, we were like a cohort of 40 or 50 people where we all look like um, celebrities making public apologies, like writing in the notes app and sharing screenshots of it, um, just kind of putting <laughs> ideas out there. And then fast forward the all 2021, I was building it on the side early mornings and kind of late nights with... Uh, and at this point, we've had over 4,000 students and now have the software product, but uh, which is TypeShare, which I, I think we'll talk a little bit about. But yeah, the TLDR is it's a writing course, helps people start writing. And so I think it would be safe to say that if Colin had completed Ship 30 for 30, he would be ahead of James and Twitter followers right now. Is that <laughs> easy? Potentially, as, potentially. As we, we dig into Twitter. One thing we do kind of preach, though, is that... A lot of these courses out there, you'll hear audience building, Twitter growth, all this stuff. And like, we don't mention the word followers. We don't mention any of that because to us, uh, following is a byproduct, not a result. And so if you do interesting shit and you share interesting ideas and you put it out there in a good way, people are going to follow you, right? The second you start focusing on your follower count, it doesn't come. But the second you actually focus on putting out high quality 
interesting things that people resonate with, that's where it gets easy. Beautiful. You know, it makes me think about, I was going to say, it makes me think about like, I sort of, uh, one of my shticks is that I believe in manifesting and that like manifesting is like a paradox in which like you have to want, like you have to like want these things and go and then go after them, but you can't like yearn for it too much. And so when you said like, when you go after followers, you don't end up getting followers. I almost tweeted, sometimes I have to hold myself back from, as I'm sure you more than I, since you're the, you candidly have a lot more followers than any of us do on Twitter. And like, we sort of struggle with this. I struggle with this, like, how do I keep this brand, this personal brand going? And like, also give it color and context to actually be me. But so one of the tweets that I stopped myself from tweeting today was like, I can tell half of you are just trying way too hard to grow followers, right? Like, and part of it is that like, it's ironically, the harder you, the more you sort of chase this one thing, it's sort of like money or love, right? Like you have to want these things and put yourself in the way of it and do a good job of it. Orin is judging my, judge, <laughs> judging my, uh, my no, deep. I'm just happy uh, we're going deep, bro. We're talking, we're going deep, we're yeah. manifesting, we're it's talking money, we're talking love. You gotta Let's go, want it. You, know you gotta want it, but, and you, but you can't like yearn after it and like, you know, you can't schmeagle it. You know, you can't just like have like this thing you obsess over, like this ring. Right. And so I, 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 I like the way you put that, but I, I have a really quick, really quick question for you about writing, um, which is that like, I always thought of myself as a horrific writer. I was a terrible student, like a really terrible student. Ironically, I think that like, if you ask me where the vast majority of my income has come as an adult, it's actually can be attributed to writing. Right. I mean, obviously there's been some in-person sort of charming and sales and stuff, but like I make, I make internet money and I always have, right. I've owned e-commerce brands and content sites and stuff. And that just comes from basically using a keyboard, um, in ship 30 for 30, like t tell us a little bit about this. Like what is, when you think about writing and when you teach people how to write, like, is it conversational? What I found is that for me that like everything I was taught in school is like the shittiest writing advice on the face of this planet. Like MLA format is a massive waste of my time. You know, like the best copy for me is super conversational and sort of brief and to the point. Like, what are some of the big mistakes that people make? And sort of just tell us a bit about that process and ship for 30 for, ship 30, for 30. I think I 100% agree on. So I studied math in college because my freshman year writing course made me never want to write again. I was like, yeah. So you're assigning me a five page paper. But if I summarize it in one page, I get an F. In the real world, you make hundreds of thousands of dollars when you do that. Doing that. Right? You, <laughs> yeah. it, award, it rewards complexity versus, hey, here's nine words. Do you want to buy this thing? Right. You, you, so my exposure to writing all started with understanding that copywriting was, I think, the most powerful skill you can have in the 21st century. Your ability to communicate value digitally on a screen is basically a multiplier on any skill you have. I say all the time, people who want to go follow their passion, but then don't learn the skills to monetize, you can do just about anything and write good copy and make six, seven figures, period, on the internet, right? And so I saw that and was like, well, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. So I started just reading kind of the greats, a couple books, um, the Gary Halberts, the Eugene Schwartz, all them. And it just clicked for me of, look, you are not competing with academic writers or novelists or anything when you're writing on the internet and we just call it digital writing because I think it's a completely different thing than legacy writing books or academic papers like we talked about. Your competition is TikTok, Netflix, YouTube, cat videos, all this, right? So if you cannot grab and keep attention immediately, you're gone. Your reader is gone. And so we really the core principle we teach is 
treating your writing like a product and focusing on reader experience, user experience, talking to readers, solving specific problems, being concise, delivering value. And I think once you make that click of like, I'm not writing, I'm delivering a product to someone and solving a problem, you write a completely different way. You're like, okay, I'm not going to ramble. I'm not going to add all these words because my reader is going to leave. And right. to us, that is the crux of writing on Twitter, right? You, People can just literally keep scrolling if you don't grab their attention in the first second and keep it the entire time. So, and from a fundamental perspective, it's treating your writing like a product and thinking reader first. You know, and that's really interesting because that's something actually, I had like a moment of clarity when I was working on my newsletter and I was like, sent the first one or two. And then I was like, this format just doesn't feel right. And I'm looking at it from a reader's perspective and trying to read it. And then I realized, and I was looking at a lot of other sub stacks and like people that kind of, who's writing, I gravitated to. And basically what I saw was that like all the rules of form of like put these together into paragraphs, like didn't apply. And it was this concept of like sentences, like GIFs, imagery, swapping between per, you know first person, third person. None of it matters as long as you're keeping that attention. And then once you're like, and my father's an English teacher, so I've always had this like in the back of my head being like, don't fuck up that tense, you know, like yeah, <laughs> dangling participle, you know. Uh, but it's a, once you kind of break that off completely you, and you have this new set of rules and your only rule is keeping your user's attention or, you know, trying to use whatever tools you have to get your point across, I feel like it really opens it up. And it's just having that, like, you know, that, that moment of clarity to actually, you know, find that you have this toolkit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that same thing I noticed from, with tweets for me, you know, we used to, and this comes from, it's, it comes from pulling it out of the money Twitter kids or, and, and, and people that, you know, when I tweet still, I format like basically breaks, like sentences, line big breaks. break and spreads. And, and both these guys used to crack on me for, everyone's cracking on me for it. Right. I and mean, like, only Colin, I, I immediately adopted No, I crack on you. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying but it, it's, but it, yeah. it makes it, it works. Right. And I think that like, what's really important is just being engaging. And I want to, and we, I had a moment this morning in our group chat, Dickie, and I'll send it to you outside of this so you can see it. Um, but there was something going viral and I shared it with, with in our group chat and it was just fascinating to me. Um, and it's called, have you seen this thing? Not to go totally sort of tangential here, huh, but you just heard this thing, bionic reading. Make me think. Yes, yeah, I actually no, just saw it. That's, that's funny, dude. That is so. It is so. So I, I, went, I read the example, and and I'm and my reading comprehension. I'm a pretty fast reader, but I was like, oh my god, this clicked for me, and my brain was. And I immediately googled. Anyway, I immediately googled Chrome extension bionic reading, and I couldn't find it. But what do you say? No, we were literally in the chat the same exact thing this yeah. morning. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, like, I was like, Chrome extension, where's this shit? Because I've been digging into some speed reading stuff, and uh, I saw it right away. I was like, whoa, that's cool, but I haven't seen it. So, And that's how you know that something's gone viral in like Twitter sphere circle is that it hit all four of us at the same time. Like, yo, oh, you guys yeah. want to yeah. read yeah. faster? <laughs> Check this out. And we're all like, yo, that's dope, but no. Yeah. yeah. The cool it, thing it, about that, the cool thing about that is like I've – it sounds like we've all dabbled in speed reading over the years. And from my like layman's perspective, all that did, all that was doing is giving you visual anchors on how to speed read. Right. Cause like that, that's all about just like letting your brain brain interpret what's there. And all it's doing is like giving you anchors on what you need to actually be looking at. So you can just keep it moving. Um, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, well, there's the, it was funny. Yeah. I, my freshman year of college, I went and saw former chief justice, Sandra Day O'Connor speak, you know, like people just speak at your college and you go there. And I remember people were asking her questions Flex. and then, uh, and one of them was, um, and this is actually like a serious story, right? Randomly enough, rare for me. Uh, but the, uh, someone asked her a question. She was like, Hey, a tool that really helped me 
digging through so many legal briefs and like working as a justice was I did the speed reading course. And I had to learn how to think like that. For It was the only, one of the only things that's enabled me to succeed at this level, which was very interesting tactical advice that comes from one of those talks. And so I actually took a speed reading course and ended up really impacting like how fast I could go through a lot. But my main issue with it was it, a lot of speed reading basically has you chunk words where your brain can digest it without you actually reading it, right? And, sure. and so I could do that, but it's completely unenjoyable. So that was great when I was like trying to get my you know extended sociology, whatever, like I'm trying to read Durkheim like in mass or in a night, great. But like you don't want to use it for enjoyable reading. But what I really liked about uh, – what do they call this? Bionic Bionic. Yeah. yeah, bionic. Is that when I went through the example paragraph, I was like, oh, I could do this and it could be equally as enjoyable as I'm reading a book. And like it, so it's just like a user experience thing. And so I'm, I'm really curious if this is just like some sort of strange formatted meme, like blue dress, gold dress thing, or if this is like <laughs> if I actually install this Chrome plugin and then I'm like, all right, war and peace, you know, like let's chop this down. <laughs> yeah, no, I would love this. I mean, I, the, the, you know, I'm such an untechnical guy, but like when I look at, you know, I know, I know their API is available, but like every, the three things they have it available for are these RSS feed readers essentially, right? But like I would, like as someone who has learned in the same way I learned that I liked reading as an adult, I, I learned to, to like uh, writing as an adult. I also learned that I like reading, right? And partially, again, because people just like forced me to read a bunch of horrifically boring fucking shit that like was unuseful and uninteresting to me. Um, but I think that like if this existed within like a fucking Kindle, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I would be just like a machine tearing through books left and right. So I'm ready. Someone, someone please make this. Someone please, please, please make this. Um, anyway, I, I know I took us on a tangent. Sorry, it just well, like can, it, it also, it's so to find right? out from the pod. Can they just Google Bionic Reading and it's going to show up, or they need to go to like someone's it, specific Twitter account? It, no, it's like, bionic readingcom bionic readingcom The examples there, right. yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so back to writing on the internet as, as opposed to reading on the internet. Although I felt like they were sort of they, uh, they go hand in hand, brother. They, they go they go hand in hand, right? Um, <laughs> the world is full of yins and yangs, my friend. <laughs> the duality of man. Um, sorry. Well, why don't you tell us actually, well, let's, let's move on from that a little bit. Let's go to TypeShare, right? So I think what's really interesting is in the creator economy, you can do a million things. The three of us have been fascinated with this ability to like audience means you can do sort of whatever the fuck you want forever, right? And like how well you do that is up to you, right? Or, or sort of up to how good you are writing to, to, to go into that, right? Um, and sort of how you, how you understand audience and monetization. But I think what you've done is sort of the playbook that, I've been fascinated with in terms I've seen it happen with, you know, Russell Brunson's done it, you know, with ClickFunnels, Alex Becker does it with Hyros and sort of it is like creator audience, free value is top of funnel. Sort of you end up having an info product that actually is wildly profitable, but is is more of a front end in some regards and, and then leads into software. Um, and for you, that is TypeShare, right? Can you tell us a little bit about TypeShare? TypeShare came from back when I said at the beginning in the very early days of ship 30, we were writing in the notes app and taking screenshots and we were having 300, 400 person cohorts and it's, you know, Hey, we're capturing all this demand. And it really started as I looked at from a business model perspective, I'm like, okay, so you're telling me every single month I have to go convince a new group of people to take this course and they buy the course one time and then they are done. If we do a good job, they technically don't need us anymore. They move on to the next thing, right? So I immediately said, okay, what are ways we can extend LTV on this, right? How can we get, instead of sending them away, what is a way we could continue to build a relationship? And I think a lot of in the audience space, it's so direct response, one and done, right? Where it's you buy something from someone one time and then 
that's it, right? If you do a good job teaching them, sure. But so I said, well, how could we potentially create enterprise value from this that compounds without me getting on Zoom and teaching and and all this kind of stuff? So we actually had someone in the community create TypeShare um, as like a weekend project. And it was like, hey, people could start writing in this. And I was like, whoa, this is a tremendous idea. And over the last six months, we've been slowly, slowly, slowly adding features to it of, okay, when someone, now when someone joins, we onboard them completely into TypeShare. It's like, hey, you don't have to use TypeShare, but you can write on Twitter, you can write on LinkedIn. We put all our templates in there. And eventually, I think integrating education into TypeShare is the long run goal where we're sharing how to write on the internet. Why not bake that into the SaaS product itself? But its origin was really, why are we sending people away to go elsewhere when we could be capturing that demand and that's another source of long-term revenue and has been that's an interesting concept because you know we talk a lot about you know solopreneurs and the idea of hey you can sell you could sell your your course and then you can sell your SaaS, but really you're looking at more like the SaaS is a vehicle with which you can then you know kind of move it any number of these directions so like hey i'll make one tool and i'll make another tool it's more of like i i have this now now we have a vessel with which we can branch into any ways all related to this core thing i think that's an interesting idea well, I mean, it's cliche, but like Naval's four leverage points, right? Labor, capital, code, media. To me, it was like, well, I don't need labor because we run a course that my hardest working employee is Zapier because it does 15,000 tasks a month, right? And for $150. Right? Shout out to gods. Don't really need <laughs> capital. I will never raise money, I don't think. At, at Definitely not for Ship 30. Typeshare, we don't really know, but. I'm leaning towards not because I, the more I see high, raising money is like potentially hiring another boss and having someone else to listen or answer to was like the whole reason I stepped away on my own. But yeah, just having code and media to me makes sense if you're in the audience game of why not direct people to something that is going to compound longer than just, hey, you watch this and then it's gone forever. I especially like it. Obviously, there's this whole world that kind of, I think, runs parallel to to yours of like Twitter, you know, audience building, but Twitter writing, Twitter publishing tools like the the Tweet Hunters and Hype Furies and Right House. And the right the House. World. Shout out Right House. Shout out Right House. Shout out Right House. By the way, if, you know what I mean? If Typeshare is looking for like a strategic acquisition, <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like Right House is probably out here. You I know, got like 700 <laughs> inactive users. Just let me know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like TypeShare being like agnostic of like the getting followers, right? Like the whole nature of it is like you're writing within that like contained little space. It sounds like I haven't used it since I haven't used it in quite a while, but uh, uh, it is not dependent on, I guess, a bunch of people wanting to build Twitter audiences, right? It is about writing. Um, and I think that it makes it much more compelling than some of these other little sasses that are having their moment right now, even if they are like enduring businesses. I think those are tools where TypeShare is a platform. So you use right. TypeShare as the long run vision is you write once, publish everywhere, right? If we've learned anything of building audiences on multiple platforms and across the internet, none of these um, LinkedIn's, Twitter's, Medium's, all of these are, they're their own music festival, right? And so they want to keep people at that music festival. When you put a link on there, the days of writing a blog and linking to it are dead. Right, every platform is going to prioritize keeping people on that platform. So why not make it easy to write once, publish everywhere, and quickly, potentially algorithmic, algorithmically format appropriately for each different platform? Right. So that's kind of what we have right now with Twitter and LinkedIn. 
and Medium eventually, I think, as more of these platforms tune up. But then also it's a hub for all of your published writing, right? So it's, hey, I go and say, check out my LinkedIn, check out my, you know, I publish everywhere, but you can come back and read everything. So it's like a lightweight social blog as well, which I think is another way of, it all goes back to kind of what we're trying to do at Ship30, which is just increase the number of people who are writing on the internet, right? So if we can make it super lightweight where you don't even have to mess with a Squarespace or WordPress or any of that, it's type share, link a custom domain, boom, you got a place to write, a place to publish and uh, a way to host it. That's cool. interesting. And, and, and you know, I, I enjoyed your, your LinkedIn thread from, I think it was this morning when you were talking about how like on LinkedIn, basically you reposted essentially reposted your Twitter content and like 90% of it could, could work essentially the same, but then also people were afraid to write on there. Uh, but it had me thinking about like the OG blog spots and stuff. And you're like hundred percent right. Like setting up like ghost or WordPress or any of those things actually get to a, a medium. I feel like had this market for a second before they got all weird, but just the idea of like, I can just have a visually appealing thing. I don't really have to maintain. That's a blog on the internet. Uh, and then actually have that be a conduit back and forth to these social platforms is a really interesting idea. So I think you're, uh, I think you're on something, brother. I, I, I think it's we're similar. If you look at the <laughs> the, like, sharks can, the, the, the sharks are in. <laughs> what uh, I feel like it it runs in parallel to what Convert Kit is doing for email, where like I've spent so much time over the last ten years messing around with making an email look good, and in Convert Kit, like I just haven't yeah, wasted a single minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't wasted a single <laughs> minute. Um, and uh, and to be to be fair, doing that then makes it way easier to go slam it into a LinkedIn. Uh, like a LinkedIn article and then into the WordPress. Um, but even that, like there's, there is those pain points um, of the formatting itself, but I get it. I think, yeah. Yeah, so something I want to hit on, cause I think I know I've had this moment recently. Oren has as well with his newsletter. James has been doing nano flips for longer, but um, the, so I, I've, I've always loved writing and, you know, in my adult life, that's pretty much meant email. Um, and then when I got really busy uh, when I got both the combination of getting really busy and then also using uh, instant messengers to communicate with developers who speak English as a second language, uh, those two things like ruined my writing experience. Um, it, it made me like very, very short. And then I also like would, would write in this broke, broken English without nuance because I'm just spending so much time typing to somebody in India or it, someone it, in the Philippines. It, it was, uh, it was, it was super- affectionately referred to within the different businesses as Colin speak. And I would get forward to the emails. People be like, do you understand what he's trying to say? And I'm like, yes. and, and the answer is I'm, yes, you do. It may be a little weird, but you do understand because somebody who doesn't speak English could also understand. But, um, but then going from that into Twitter, like Twitter as this vehicle to like have fun writing again, write again, amazing. But then very quickly you get into like, is this going to perform? Is it going to engage? If it's a thread, like, is it, is it going to crack? And for me, the newsletter was this thing where it's like, it's mine again and I can just write and have fun writing. And like, uh, like you, you, your need to grab someone is limited to the subject line. Um, either way, it's going to hit their, it's going to hit their inbox. But then like in the newsletter itself, I get to have fun. And for me, I've struggled not wanting, like I don't have a blast doing much of the cannabis content that I do. I'm not in love with it. But then all of a sudden with the cannabis newsletter, it doesn't have to be cannabis content. It can be like my opinion on cannabis. And uh, I don't have to worry about if the tweets are going to hit. And uh, it's a blast. Like it's literally like, it's like my favorite pastime now. But the, it's interesting to think about, um, and one of the things I liked about the newsletter that I found hard on Twitter was just the idea that, that people don't know concepts, right? And so 
uh, even I initially was calling a newsletter CPG Academy and then realizing no one knows what CPG stands for. And then there's so much education there. And so I really started breaking it down to like level one, two and three alpha where it's like, cool. Level one is like, you see someone this on Twitter and it's like, you know, 14 Excel hacks that can, you know, da, 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 like, okay, anyone can, can approach this, you don't need to have a vernacular. And then there's like, Hey, I'm gonna teach you this term. But so many people are coming in constantly that are new. It's hard to then like build a groundswell. And so there's the concept of, of analytical philosophy, right? Which is this idea that the amount of words, you know, and terms, you know, and concepts, you know, determines how, what philosophy you can understand and then how you can perform in an argument. And so like, you know, it's this it's guy, some kind of like old school. Uh, yeah. But oh, it's also yeah. really relevant to what we're talking about. Where like, if you're trying to educate someone long-term and say, Hey, I'm not just trying to put out a, you know, like a tweet that's going to change you for that moment. You want to do something longer scale, then you really have to put together like a, uh, you, you have to kind of build levels with what people can understand and build like the shared vernacular and build these kind of words up. And then social media just isn't conducive to that because you're constantly getting new people seeing your stuff in the algorithms. And so I am interested to kind of, uh, that's why I like the email medium is I feel like you can educate people and like build that community up to then really understand all the things you're talking about in a way that you just can't on social. Yeah. I mean, I got a, I got a question, Dickie. I know like we were talking about LinkedIn, right? And you, and, and obviously you guys recently added some, some LinkedIn functionality to TypeShare, right? That's, and you had your thread about discovering that LinkedIn actually works. We've all sort of, three of us have dabbled in that. I think that I haven't really taken a real shot at it. Um, like th- three days a week, I'll take a random tweet of mine and post it to my LinkedIn. And I guess I get like 10 new followers a, link, a week on LinkedIn. And if that says anything, it says that it works and I should probably put more effort into it. But I guess like from your test so far, like do you see that there's like, obviously Twitter, we're, we're limited to character count. Right, I, I'm sure there's actually a character count on LinkedIn as well, just much longer. Um, but I, I was gonna say, like tactically, like obviously we could just go in circles and just talking about having fun and shit. But I think that, like tactically, I want to ask you because you're the king of this writing online thing. I know you're just dabbling into LinkedIn, but have you noticed that there's things that people should be doing differently on LinkedIn? Is it is it or is it something you're just still exploring so far? You haven't sort of figured out the, the differences yet. So there's a bunch here, and I think talking about the newsletter too, just so we can kind of put a pin in that. It sounds like the one of the frameworks we teach in Ship30 is we call it the 4A framework, which is every bit of content falls into one of four buckets. It's either actionable, which is showing someone how to do something. It's analytical, so breaking down a trend, giving your opinion, analyzing teardowns, examples, things like that. It's aspirational, so you're sharing your story, how you did something, or someone else's story, how they did it. And anthropological, which is human nature, the why behind the way of doing things. It sounds like the way I think about newsletters is it's a way to explore all four of those topics while I look at social is almost content marketing in some way where you're trying to reach as many people as possible to then give them a chance to resonate. So the way we talk about this barbell is reach and resonance, which is anything you can put out. You can either try to address a ton of people or you can address a small select group of people. And this, your point, Colin, on whether this thread goes off or not. I know very well when I hit publish on something, if this could get 20,000 likes or if it's going to get 200, right? Because if I'm being specific and I'm saying this is for, you know, people with an email list over 20K, here's how we went from 20 to 50. There's only so many people that can read that, right? But if I, like you said, if you're sharing 12 Excel hacks, right? The total addressable market is everyone. Shout out to Blake. Shout out to Blake. Like right. exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, no shade. It's just facts. No, not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> and it works, right? Because yeah. you people, bring people, people in and then, Exactly. And if you 
you do that and then you bring in a large group of people, then a certain subset of them are going to resonate with what you are saying. And I think newsletters are the perfect place for resonance because someone has opted in to learn more directly from you outside of their scrolling on social media. So I, I right. think that makes a lot of sense in terms of the way we think about it is get as many people interested in writing as possible into our email list and then try to nurture that relationship and kind of educate them over time. But And go deeper with the ones that with the ones that get in the thread is the, the, the top of the funnel and uh, exactly. the relationship builds with the probably more esoteric, more specific, more niche stuff. Exactly. So how that relates to LinkedIn is what I found in the first 40, 50 days of, of posting it. It's people want to, they're on LinkedIn to learn, right? They're on LinkedIn and they're scared to post because their boss is looking over their shoulder. <clears throat> yeah. They're on LinkedIn. And so that means they're going to try to look smart and leave insightful comments. So my three takeaways were one, the algorithm is absurd. I my very first post, I took my best tweet. I had zero followers. It got half a million views and six thousand likes. Just one or two people see it. I hate it, you. It, it was absurd. <laughs> it was yeah. it, so I saw Amanda Natividad. I wrote about this in my thread today. She described it as corporate TikTok. Has abs absurd right. algorithm. And an extreme mismatch between supply and demand because 99% yeah. of the people on LinkedIn have their boss looking over their shoulder. They're not going to go post anything, but they'll leave a comment on something that makes it look like they're learning actively, right? right. So I found actionable content worked really well. And then because very few people are on there to write and share their story, your stories work very well on the aspirational side of things because people are like, damn. This guy went and wrote about his journey quitting his job, or this guy wrote about his how he did X, Y, and Z. Like, I kind of want to do that. So I found actionable anthropological works pretty well. And that people are on there to learn. You don't get rewarded for dunking on people. Like Twitter, the goal is to like quote retweet and dunk on someone. Right. You don't do that on LinkedIn because no one you don't look cool in front of your boss when you do that, right? You don't score the same social points. It's a very interesting dynamic, but I've enjoyed it. And people are that's one big takeaway is like when I post a thread that goes viral and it it makes its way out of kind of our sphere into like the the way most people think about Twitter. And then you're just getting dunked on and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, this this was fun for a little bit, but now it's like, oh, I'm dealing with whatever. Oh, but LinkedIn, yeah. it's been it's been pretty good so far. I'm sure Colin can relate to that. I think it's interesting how yeah. that, that, that I've had that a couple point. of like, runs at that. And <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Colin, I've just like flipped it to like right? You live for the drama though, so it's right. good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I do I, I bring it upon myself occasionally, but I don't live for it. But uh you just flip that thing on private and, and let it die right down, you know, like even yeah. if it's for an hour or two. I know Nick Nick Huber's had a, had some issues with with sort of getting outside of his the the real estate Twitter. Is, is that the guy well. that was exploiting those those poor poor laborers <laughs> in the Philippines? Yeah, that that guy. Yeah. Oh man, but it is interesting. No, I, I love, I love, what I find fascinating about Twitter as a community, like I, communities, like it's like a trope, right? Communities are the future. It's true though, right? Communities are so important, but it's really fascinating about Twitter is like, there's actually no walls to this communities, to these communities, right? Like normally communities like are actually like have wall, digital walls of some sort, right? Like a forum or a website or um, a Facebook group or some sort of way that like you could delineate like this is a community member versus not. And what's really cool is that Twitter is like we have these little communities on Twitter. And I think we all sort of like 
all, even all four of us, right? Like we're all in the same community, but we also, it's like a Venn diagram, right? Like we're also yeah, playing so. slightly different communities so. and we overlap. But like, again, there's no like official wall to say like, oh, someone is in money Twitter or someone's in, in FinTwit or, right? right? Like, even you know, though they're pretty, they're distinct and you have like, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It they're is totally distinct. Liquid. You yeah. know, you know, and, and people refer to one another, like there are big influencers, so to speak. But the reason that it was interesting to me is like Dickie said, you know, you, you said uh, when it gets sort of outside of our sphere, right? But like what, I, it's interesting to think about how, what we're considering this little circle, right? This Venn diagram f- of us, because in the scheme of what the average Joe thinks about Twitter, to your point, like, you know, it's when I tell people I've got a thread that did, you know, 2 million impressions to me, that's because I know how small my sphere is on Twitter. Like that's a, that's a lot of impressions, right? But I think when you look at sort of other channels of, of social media, Right, like you know, five ten million impressions a month is nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 nothing at all in the scheme of TikTok or or Instagram, for example. Right, um, just interesting. I don't know. I don't have a point to really <laughs> bringing bringing back to LinkedIn. I think uh, the the power of niches and in specific industries on LinkedIn is is unbelievable. And I, Dickie, how long have you been doing LinkedIn? Ten weeks. Ten weeks. Nine weeks gotcha. ish. But gotcha. see, my. I'm I'm a prime example of this, right? Because I built 125,000 followers on Twitter before my boss even knew I had a Twitter account, right? <laughs> and so I was doing this whole thing on the side and people that I worked with had no clue because they weren't spending time. And that, I mean, yeah. a fairly sizable 125,000, but like in the grand scheme of things, not big at all. Right. And But I would, yeah. I didn't post a single and, and damn no thing on, on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. And, but yeah. I didn't post a single thing on LinkedIn because everyone I was working with was on LinkedIn or would have seen right. it. Right. And I think that's why there's actually an interesting opportunity there for solo entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general to go on and say, Hey, you have kind of a captive audience of no one's really posting. So if you actually go and just provide value there, if you're you going to show like up and week. talk. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the supply and demand mismatches is a really interesting explanation of it, I think. And I'm probably, I've been dabbling in LinkedIn for a couple months, but I'm like, two weeks, a week and a half into like, okay, I'm going to like post most days on here. And it's ridiculous. Like it is so easy. And, and I think that for me, the, uh, for me being in a specific industry, like, I don't know what it's like to come at it as like, okay, we're going to talk about writing, but like, if you go into your industry, it's all the same dynamics you just mentioned, Dickie, but it's on steroids because of how easy it is to relate to all these people. Like, like a quip about some really obvious thing in your industry that nobody wants to say because, again, it's LinkedIn and their coworkers are there, their boss is there. It's just like it's too easy. It's too easy. And the I think the interesting thing that I see is it's very – there's some overlap, but it's pretty different content than Twitter for me. Uh, I've been testing this a little bit in terms of like, okay, this worked on Twitter. Will it go LinkedIn? The, like the post I did on LinkedIn this morning is is going very well on LinkedIn and is like a more or less a dud on Twitter. But that's really just because like I can do the cannabis thing on Twitter. Um, sometimes it'll go, generally speaking, it's going to be fairly limited. On LinkedIn, I just said, hello, cannabis people. I'm here to talk about cannabis. And like people are just all over it just because you're talking. It's like, it's fascinating. It's going to be super powerful. Have you used the newsletter article features on LinkedIn yet? So I've heard that there's a couple things on that just on the tactical side you get kind of one chance to start a newsletter on linkedin and it alerts everyone that you're following and you it's like one bullet in the chamber 
right? So whether or not you use that early or later, I'm saving it to when I have 50,000 followers or something. I'm going to be like, boom, newsletter. And then you get as many of them as possible versus starting it early. But from what I've learned and just talked to other people, articles don't do it. It's all just straight up posts, just regular LinkedIn posts and focus on the hook because there's something about uh, this is super nerdy, but maybe people don't hear it. But like the way the algorithm works for LinkedIn is definitely the more people that click see more see to more. show the whole post is like an indicator that what you're doing is interesting, sure. right? So you have five lines to kind of clickbait in a way, but not using clickbait, actually delivering on a promise you make yeah. during it. But if you're super tactical about like, how does this show up in the feed? That's what makes it go viral because everyone's clicking see more, see more, see yeah, more. And, see and more. if you look at the algorithm, so the TikTok algorithm is a Bugatti. And the Twitter algorithm is like a Lexus. And then the LinkedIn <laughs> algorithm is like a horse and carriage, right? Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, but, just the place. That's, really that's great. That, that it's horse and through. carriage goes forever, though. It yeah. works fucking It's hard. crazy. Well, and, that's and what it's like it is. linear. Yeah. And you can get you can get stuff from like two weeks later, you know. Uh, yeah. 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 We knew. And it's funny we say that because it's interesting. And, and, you, and you're probably better at this than us, Dickie. But, you know, even with the three of us, we have an idea of when things are going to hit, right? Or when things are going to go viral, right? And we'll, we'll, I'll be disappointed if I think something's really going to hit and it flops obviously it's sort of like the, the chinese farmer thread was, dude, the was chinese a, was farmer thread bangs, right? that that first of all go. the chinese farmer what's interesting is it reaches a point though where you have enough sort of juice in your followers that like for me and a really bad thread for you dickie i'm sure is way different than for me you've got like 200 plus thousand i'm like sixty thousand. but a bad thread for me is hitting three four hundred five hundred likes a good thread for me is like three to five thousand likes right um and so the Chinese farmer third, we make jokes about it. It's just like a, you know, it's this story of the Chinese farmer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point <laughs> he is, loves the story. Go, go ahead, James. Go ahead. No, I just like, it's just about like not, like things might not always be bad or good. You shouldn't make an assumption about something like whether something's bad or good until the future. But my point is, is that we, like, it was a joke because it, it, it flopped and it was such a, out, it, I, most of my threads that do well are tactical, and this is much yeah, more it, like it, a broader focus books one. About Chinese farmers, then you probably would have, done. <laughs> would have crushed it. No, but the problem was, but what I find interesting is that even then, like I think it probably ended up with three hundred likes, right? I mean, like which I think for most people on Twitter would be, they would be bl- floored to get three hundred likes on something right. that they wrote, right? Um, and so you know, we there was a moment with the, I was just thinking about the LinkedIn transition. Colin had made a post on Twitter that about his grandfather who is like the swaggiest G on the planet, right? Like probably like a legend, like a legend across the Andy. world. Andy. Andy. Andy no, Landforce. It, was, it was published in the paper. It was like, you don't want to be fishing downstream from Andy Landforce. You know, yeah. <laughs> okay. Back, background for the global but, listenership. My yeah, grandpa's let him know. like 105. He's the last living member of the 1942 Rose Bowl game that was played in Durham, North Carolina due to uh, concerns over bombing on the West coast. Um, and so every single football season for the last like eight or nine, he the, all those facts have been true. He's like the last remaining member. And oh my God, he's so old. And here he is today. And so every single football season, they drag my poor grandfather out on the field <laughs> and make a spectacle out of him. Um, it's, it's really bizarre. But we all, but everyone loves it, right? It's, it's a charming story. And so we knew when he posted, this was the first time I think, I think we just all three of us were like, you know what, let's try LinkedIn. And, and none of us have really given it our full hurrah, although I see Colin and Oren crushing over there because it's so much more niche, right? Mine's a little bit broader. But Colin posted the the Andy Landforce 
tweet onto LinkedIn and, and we knew that it was just going to go. And it was, rap. and I commented on it. Right. And so that's one of the weird things about LinkedIn too. Right. So I commented on it, which meant that I was getting emails for like the next month straight about how people like other comments on, <laughs> on the Andy Lamforce post. But that was the first time I really realized how like the Twitter algo for me, like tactically, if something's hitting for me, I don't want to touch anything else for like 12 hours. Like if a thread is really going, I don't want to, I don't want to be re, like retweeting other stuff. I don't mean, I'm going to respond to comments right on that thread, get juice in that thread, but I'm not putting out new content. And then the life, the life cycle of the best Twitter thread for me, I think has really been 24 to 48 hours. Right. And that's like really where it goes. Whereas LinkedIn things are like all jokes aside, like 10 days later, all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting stuff on it. So it's just fascinating to look at how the different algos work. I think it goes back to that supply and demand, right? Twitter's got way more coming through there versus LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, LinkedIn latches onto something that people are looking at and staying on the platform. And they're like, guys, drop everything. We got to show this to everybody, right? Because this is our chance. Like if we're we're going to grow the platform with a bum leg, (laughs) get this sucker in front of more eyeballs, like all hands on deck. And I think that that's why it works. And that's why a huge advantage to write there. As a final point on LinkedIn, with exception to the the post about my grandpa that, that James mentioned, like that's the only thing I've ever had go viral. Even just posting and like getting some engagement, like I started doing that. And then I go like, I'm going to see friends on the weekend and every single person that I ran into was like, Hey dude, I've been seeing your posts on LinkedIn. Sick. Every single one. There's no other platform that that, that would happen with. It's bizarre. And it, it, it all comes back to that supply and demand. Yeah. Well, it's like, a bit of audience. Cause again, if yeah. you're on Twitter, then like there. something's probably, probably a bit off. Right. But if you're just a normal <laughs> person, then you are, then you're on LinkedIn. Right. You yeah. know, and, and that's like a, an, an absolute mass. Um, and so actually, and this, this ties into, uh, we, we, I'd done a LinkedIn push like maybe three years ago, four, God, five years ago now, when we had an agency where me and this other guy were making a lot of videos on LinkedIn because LinkedIn was really heavily prioritizing video. It went really well and and brought a lot of business in. And so that leads to the question of like, ship 30 for 30 video when? Yeah. I think it's a ton of different ways we could go as we think about kind of expanding from here. I think you could go vertically, which is what we've done so far, which when you take ship 30 now, we have a follow on kind of mastermind community of, hey, you've written every day for 30 days. You probably have a bunch of different goals. You either want to launch a product, you want to start your own community, you want to be a ghostwriter, a copywriter, whatever. How can we continue to educate, right? So it's, you solve someone's one problem and that opens up 20 more. How can we go solve those 20 as well? Um, or we can go kind of horizontally and say, what are all the different ways you can start to communicate and create value on the internet, which is podcasting, creating videos, no code automation, something like that, right? And take the 30-day model that we've proven has worked and get people to overcome that friction of getting started on any of those. So we are definitely blessed with the burden of opportunity at this point of choosing what to get to work on. Um, I think podcasting lends itself easier in the beginning because you think about how much goes into getting someone to do things on video. There's some like brand risk 
there too, right? Of like, hey, if everyone's just churning out video and every one of them is horrible, you're like, okay, maybe <laughs> and not. They all say ship podcast, 30, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, right. well, uh, podcast, a lot of everything's inherently terrible, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, yeah all podcasts I mean, not everyone, are yeah. <laughs> not everyone's got a face for video like the four of us, or a voice for audio like Orin here. <laughs> like Orin, yeah. this <laughs> voice is silky smooth today, mm. bro. I'm sorry. Look, if your ladies are listening, uh, you know, like, there's nothing I could do about this. This is just a natural way that this this functions. Uh, is what it is. <laughs> there we go. Uh, is, and to also, I would, now that you have this, you have this big listenership, you've got masterminds, you have the ability to control the zeitgeist around writing. Have you considered bringing poetry back? <laughs> Haikus, maybe? Uh, yeah, that would be a good place to start. You, something like that. No, I, I need to explore, but that, that actually brings up broetry from LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, but oh, yeah. this dude who who basically broke What was his it, name? I can't remember his name. Josh, Josh. I can't Fector. remember. I used to follow this thing. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. yeah Someone like he that. like cracked yeah. the original LinkedIn algorithm, which was basically, I don't really know how it worked, but he was writing these super like broy, uh, kind of clickbaity things that were just absolutely talk about like drop everything and show this to everyone. It was anyone on LinkedIn saw it and he just cracked it and they yeah. banned him because, or, or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it is interesting. Yeah, but he, he was really doing the like, like money is the state of a concept. Like I define money by the like next sentence. I define money by the treasury. Dude. Things I've learned have been blah blah blah. And then like a third, and then it's just like power. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, this guy. This? Listen, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking at brochure right now, and this guy seems to just. It's funny because the stuff that that he was people had a problem with is like sort of just like how all of us do this stuff now. Yeah, it's well, like I will give him all the opener, is outbound sales found, dead? And then a thread about, you know, outbound I, I sales never would have found dead. Phantom Buster without that guy. And that essentially changed my life. So here we are. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Dickie, sorry, any, so you mentioned all the opportunities you've got with ship 30 for 30 and where you can take the, the education model. Is there any, any uh, spoilers on where it might go next? It was the podcast comment, the spoiler itself. No, I think it's going to be newsletter. I think we want to go and create. So we've built our email list to 40, 45,000. Nicholas Cole, who's my co-founder and the, I think the most talented writer on earth, has wow. is the main writer behind Category Pirates, which is a one of the top couple Substack marketing newsletters. And we think that that is the natural thing. We've talked a lot about writing on social environments, but how do you go and actually nurture a relationship? I think we could share our frameworks on that. So we think we're, we're going down that route, but what's exciting is he's moving into Florida where I live. And we've over the last year of working together have worked in person and met in person for four days. So (laughs) excited to kind of put some boots on the ground, figure out what we can build if we're sprinting on some things together. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think it's really useful? Where does he live now? He lives in Cali, right? Yeah. You think it's useful for, if people work together for one of them to maybe move down south from Portland to Southern California, <laughs> Bro, hang like, out with their boy, <laughs> hang out with their no. boys, you know what I mean? Like get, no. you know what I mean? Like work no. in the same room sometimes. <laughs> It'd be amazing, but no, not, not no, no. But then we might actually accomplish something, and who would want to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, God forbid. Like, God forbid. Keep keep podcast. Right. Yeah, we don't want to move the needle. That's yeah. nerd stuff. That's not for nerds. We are out here just. Yeah. James thesis B level work, pop, 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 hoping, so, hoping something hits right. That's shipper shit. That's good. Any shipper other shit. any other recommendations for the, uh, the, the the all the writers out there? You have like a status pencil or like yeah, using like a <laughs> so what do you do? Keyboard. You tweeted about your are you, notebook, yeah, you right? All, I'm, I'm just saying, are you all notebook. digital? I'm we're I'm we're, I'm oh, a no. I got bro. Um, yeah, okay, most, most oh, oh, you're a real writer, dude. You're a real mind mindful of doodles. I got those words on paper. I mean. 
I got I got all these. Like this is where Beautiful. most of my writing actually happens. But if you want some, if you haven't gone down, I tweet about it every Saturday. I tweet pretty much the same picture of my Muji notebook with like a Starbucks. If you don't you have like Muji, Muji, yeah, Muji, shout, Muji shout notebooks, like, yeah. Muji pens. You know I what? Have, like, I'm going to throw something out here, Dicky. I'm going to throw something out here. I'm coming up with on the spot. Maybe there's a possibility, you know, because the three of us have like a lot of experience in sort of like consumer packaged goods and marketing and you're, you guys are the king of writing. Maybe there's an opportunity for like a collab, a builder's build, you know, ship 30, yeah, like yeah, collab yeah, for, those, uh, the, for the, like the notebooks Stark. and pens. Yeah, yeah. So Philippe Stark did a pen for and a pen and a pencil for the Japanese Seven Eleven that are absolutely gorgeous. And this was like maybe ten years ago. We should bring that same style back for for Ship Thirty for Thirty. Yeah. Honestly, We're into CPG we have a bunch of people who want journals and kind of writing guides physically. Muji uh, collab when? Yeah, I, so I would on, do anything. So, so, on so, a totally a funny Muji story. I ordered a hundred Muji notebooks because during uh, during. Flex. The supply chain stuff. They basically <laughs> shut down their their like international shipping, and I was like, if I took out this whole drawer, I have like forty of them that are completely filled. And so I ordered like as many as they would let me because I didn't know if they'd ever get them back. So if you guys need one, I can ship you them. <laughs> if they, um, so you're not, you need to fill those. You're not a moleskin kind of guy. change of generation. Yeah. On a so, on a on a totally serious note, like one one of our theses is here is that like. Uh, audience is is kind of wasted in a lot of cases on you know pdfs and really like especially like low ticket info products um but more so i guess the observation that not many people with big audience are doing physical products right um it obviously becomes a little bit of a beast um, especially if you don't know what you're doing we've done as james mentioned just like the the full gamut of physical products from from consumer electronics to firearms to cannabis and just about everything in between and um, that's something we, we we're thinking about a lot. I'm not joking at all about the builders build ruler set. That is a little bit of a joke, but it's not a joke. Uh, no, but dude, uh, let's, let's make some, but uh, yo, listen, forget the zebra pen I'm using, bro. I'm about when to it's use time a, to do like a, like an ink and quill ship 30 for 30, you know, like dude, seriously, I got the quail, I'm I got serious. the quail supplier on deck. No, I'm dead serious too, because you guys, I think a lot of people face this. It's like physical product means. I, I can't just click buttons yeah. on my computer yeah, like yeah, all day. Right. right. And so I got to go and like do shit in a way that to me is, I know it'd be awesome and I'd get to learn a ton, but I don't even know where to start. Right. It's like, uh, I got to go communicate. It sounds yeah, okay. logistically way harder. Well, my brother, than, like, do I have a newsletter for you? I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Hey, yeah. Now, the product people. newsletter. <laughs> check it out. No. All right. So we'll take this, we'll take this convo offline because I, I'm not even joking around. I would absolutely produce a couple hundred notebooks and pens together. And I, I, I got a quail guy. The, the luxury pen inspiration guy. inside right. the Riverside chat. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, you guys want to go and we'll see what the, the truth looks like. It's Beautiful. right there. Yeah. I love it. Just, I'm all for, I almost bought a, uh, uh, like a stationary company a year and a half ago. I think I showed this to you guys. Of course you did. Life um, No, they were you off the main reason that you didn't cop the stationary right? company. Was it just it was just like the stationary eBay just isn't what it used to be? Or? The stationary eBay <laughs> was not great. Although they were crushing it. I think if you if you you really the, it sounds crazy. The 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 Adrian Powell Gorilla is moleskin, right? Like it really really is. Like when you're trying to come 100%. into this space and sort of take over the notebook world, like it is moleskin. And because now they're doing so many collabs and stuff. I'm what? a Marumen guy. The Japanese graph paper. Yeah. Oh yeah, you I don't that, mess around like with notebooks. You like that yep. crisscross? You like that crisscross? Yep. Actually, let me ask dot. you, Dicky, Dicky, real quick: Are you taking a 
uh, a B5 size on Muji? What's the size notebook you're buying on Muji? You know what I mean? I think it's I think it's B4 or B5. Okay. One of the two. Whatever right. whatever this guy is. I'm just, taking, two I'm just pencil taking notes. Or a, no, <laughs> number th- number no, two dude, pencil? I'll, 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 it was actually funny because I was going to say when you asked what other tactical stuff on the writing side, I wrote up like a, a thread of all the shit I use. The number one thing that helps me write is the cold turkey app blocker. I have it set to block every single internet website except my notes app where I do my writing from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I you don't write inside TypeShare. You don't write. Inside, you're telling me you don't even use. <laughs> you don't even use TypeShare. No, I transfer <laughs> to TypeShare to post, oh, but no, yeah. I don't do my writing in TypeShare. No, no, I do oh, my yeah. writing in notes in just a notes app, but then wow. use oh, TypeShare gotcha. to distribute. But yeah, gotcha. Okay, um, cool. You almost caught me well, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit uh, that part out. We'll edit that part out. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. But uh, but, but no. no yeah. g- Send us some of the threads too. I, like you're like such a king of threads, man. Some of these because in the show notes, we'll all email it out and stuff. All of us, and um, you know, obviously we'll we'll, we'll link out to TypeShare and, and yeah. And all listeners worldwide is at Dicky D I C K I E B U S H on Twitter. Yes, sir. Yep. TypeShare dot co. TypeShare dot co. And if you if you want to get started writing, you can go to startwritingonline.com, Download. We put together like a thirteen thousand word ultimate guide where basically has everything you need to know to write on any platform and we just give it away. So take a look at it. It'll help you headlines coming up with ideas, formatting, all that stuff. So you can download it there. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a ton for coming on today, dude. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Dickie. Stay rich, my Twitter.